If you have your Bible with you today, I'd like you to open with me to the New Testament book of 1 John. We will be in 1 John chapter 2, and we will begin reading in verse 7 in just a moment. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 7, and we are going to continue looking at some tests that the inspired apostle gives that we can apply to ourselves to see whether or not we are truly believers. Now, once again, uh, John considers, uh, well... Uh, John, he contrasts the claims that, that a person makes. And, and it's not, talk is cheap, right? I mean, we can all say whatever we want. And so, so uh, John is saying, you know what? It's, it's not so much the words that are used. You can claim whatever you want about your life. The proof is going to be in, in, in the pudding. The, the proof is going to be in the way that you live your life out on a daily basis. And, and as you look at the way that you live, you can run that through the grid that John gives. And, and not only this test, but other tests in the book of First John to see if you really are a believer. And this is important because many times as Christians, we don't have the assurance of our salvation. We, we, maybe we, we, we start out well. We, uh, for, for a time, we, we are sure that we're saved. We're, we're, we're in the family of faith. But then after a while, sometimes maybe the things happen. Maybe uh, God doesn't do and work and act in the way that we were hoping that he would. Maybe we have sin in our lives, whatever it is. And sometimes... We begin to doubt whether or not we really are saved. And so John gives this, uh, this, this series of tests that we can use as an objective reality, not in how we feel, not a subjective test, but it's uh, some objective tests so we can see if we really are saved. Now in the text today, we need to apply it to ourselves and ask this question, do I love the brethren? Do I love Christians? And that is the test for us today. So if you found 1 John chapter 2, If you're able to, I'd like you to stand in honor of God's word. We'll pick up in verse 7 and read down to verse 11. He writes, Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, uh, which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother, is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness, and walks in the darkness, and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Thank you. You may be seated. Now there are three things I want to draw your attention to, three things I want to lay on your heart. The first is I want you to see the new old commandment the new old commandment now if you look back at verse 7 john addresses this section he he begins this section by addressing those whom he's writing as beloved now this is a favorite term from from john it's something that uh, shows endearment it shows that he he cares for these people and this is this is significant because he's getting ready to talk about loving believers and he he says guys i love you you are my beloved and he notice what he says in verse 7 he says this is not a new commandment. This is rather an old commandment. But then in verse 8, he says, actually, it is a new commandment. Now, for those of us who have senior moments, you may think that's what John's having. That he, in, in one verse, he says it's an old commandment. And then in verse 8, he says it's a new commandment. Which one is it? Well, he's not having a senior moment here. What's he saying? Well, first, I want you to see that the commandment to love, the commandment to love one another, is not a new commandment. That's why it says explicitly in verse 7. It's something which they've heard 
from the beginning. In other words, from the time that they were first exposed to the gospel, the command to love one another has been part and parcel of the message. Now, some people today think that loving one another, of being nice to one another, of being friendly, of being kind, being generous, all those things, is the gospel message. But listen, that is not the gospel message. That is an outcome of treating others with dignity and respect. You will do that after you're saved. But that is not the gospel message. Yes, it's important to treat people with respect. You can disagree without being disagreeable. But that's not, that's not the gospel message. The message of the gospel is that by nature and by act, we are sinners. We are sinners against God. We violated God's command. We've left undone things that he says to do. We have done things that he says not to do. And the sin debt that we owe towards God is so great that we can't pay it ourselves. And so we need outside help. And that is what Jesus Christ came to do. He died that we might have eternal life. He died on the cross for our sins. That's the gospel message. And, and all people everywhere are called to believe this gospel message, to trust in Christ for salvation. The gospel is not some sort of ger- uh, generic therapeutic deism, that God just wants you to, to, to be happy and healthy and, <coughs> and he'll just make you a really nice person. Now, that is the gospel message, that, we, that, that we're sinners, we can't save ourselves, we, we need to trust Christ for salvation, and when we do, we are adopted into God's family. Our sins are forgiven. We're reconciled to God. But once a person has trusted Christ... Then he begins to change all aspects of a person's life. Now, if you're a Christian, you know that some of that happens pretty quickly, and some of it, it's pretty slow. It's like one step forward and two steps back sometimes. There are daily battles that we have where we still wrestle against our old way of life and, and the old fleshly nature. But what happens is God changes our hearts so those things that displease him, the things that we once loved, we begin to hate. And the things that we once hated, we, the, the things that please him, those things that we once hated, we now begin to love. He changes that from the inside out. But listen, one of the things that the unsaved person naturally dislikes are Christians. Now, if you are, and, and some of you may be thinking, oh, Jeff, you don't know what you're talking about. I have lots of unsaved friends, and they ain't got no problem with me. I have lots of unsafe friends, and they're some of the nicest folks you'd ever want to meet. I mean, we, we sit around, we, we like to hunt and fish together, we, we, we do this, we do that, we have these shared interests, and they're just great people. That may be. But I want to tell you that if you start taking the stand for Christ, if you start talking about God and, and righteousness and faith and all those things, you're going to get a lot of pushback from people who are outside the faith, and they, they hate the Christian message. Listen. It is unnatural for an unsaved person to like a saved person. They, they, their, their lifestyles don't match up. Their message don't ma- doesn't match up. It, it, it's just a clash. It's like oil and water. They can be around each other, but they just don't mix. And so, so what happens is when we get saved, God begins to change us from the inside out. So those people that we once detested, those, those people that we once disliked because they were in the faith, because they were in the family of God, we began to not only like them, we actually loved them. And that's what he says. He says that the, the Christian, the true believer, is going to love the brethren. Said so another way, loving your brothers and sisters in Christ is not an optional thing. It's not something just for the super holy. It's not something that just the the preachers and the missionaries have to do. It's for every Christian. And this message that we should love one another, John says, is something that 
that they've heard and we've heard from the beginning, from our first exposure to the gospel, this is part and parcel of being a Christian. And so in this way, it is an old command. But beyond that, it's not new because loving people and loving God goes all the way back to the Old Testament. You remember all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy, the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, uh, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and so on and so forth. And then verse 5 it says, And you shall love the Lord your God. And Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment. Remember, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then this, the, the, the second greatest commandment, what is it? And you should love your neighbor as yourself. That's Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. You know Leviticus where you stop reading when you read through the Bible in a year? You get to Leviticus. That's, that, the, the command to love our neighbor as ourself, that's in Leviticus. So this is an ancient command. The command to love is old. And that's what he says in verse 7. This is not a new command I'm giving you. This is an old command. And yet in verse 8 he turns around and says, it's actually a new command. So how do we make these two ideas mesh? Well, the Greek word that he uses in verse 8 when he says it's a new command does not mean new in time. In other words, this is not some, some idea that John's come up with. This is, this is a word in the original language that means new in the sense of fresh. It's, it's been enlivened. It's been, it's been freshened up. It's been deepened. It's been flushed out completely and perfectly. How? In the life of Jesus Christ. Now it seems, and we don't, we don't have John's... Um, I mean, he didn't write down what he was thinking about, but it seems that John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 were in his mind when he wrote this. Because here's what Jesus says as recorded in that scripture. He says, A new commandment I give to you. Sound familiar? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And here's how it's new. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. He goes on to say by this in verse 35, All men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And what he's saying is, yes, you're called in Leviticus to love your neighbors yourself. You should put other people first and, and so forth. But what he says is, is the way that that looks on a daily basis is my life. Now Jesus lived a sacrificial, self-giving love. And, and it, it was lived out perfectly. And it's true in him, John says, but it's also true in us. It, it was perfectly fulfilled in the life of Christ. But he also goes on to say in, in, uh, in our text, it was true in him and it's also true in you. We, as we begin to love other people, as we begin to love Christians, our brothers and sisters in Christ, as we live that out and it reflects the love of Christ, in that limited sense, it is true in us. Now, we're not going to live up to Jesus' perfect standard and example, but as we, as we mature in our faith, that is true in us. And this way of loving belongs to the new age, the, the light of which is already dawning, and the, the, the darkness of this present age is already fading away. The second thing I want you to see is that you cannot be in the light and hate your brother. You cannot be in the light and hate your brother. Now look again at, at, uh, at what John says. He, he, he references, look at verse 9. The one who says he is in the light, so he's making a claim, and yet hates his brother, there's, here's the proof, is in darkness until now. So John looks at the person who makes a claim to be a Christian. They claim to walk, to talk, to, to, dwell, to dwell in the light. 
They're, they're the person who, who goes to church, who, who shakes the, the, the preacher's hand. They're the ones who, who you know, if, if, if somebody were to say, hey, uh, all the Christians in here raise your hand, their hand would be up. They make a claim to be a Christian, and yet their life doesn't support that. He says, if you make that claim and yet you hate your brother, you are in darkness until now. Now, the word hate is pretty strong. It's the opposite of love. And that's, that's pretty, pretty obvious. But it means that we don't practice and we don't show love. It means we don't feel love. We don't have love in our heart. In fact, we might go so far as not only to detest an, a, a person that we claim is a brother or sister in Christ, not only claim that, and yet to test them in our heart, <coughs> we may actually try to harm them in some way. And notice what John says in verse 9. He says, that person is in the darkness until now. Now, a couple things need to be noted first. The form of the Greek word for hate is present tense. In other words, it's happening. It's not you have hated, it's you are hating. You are presently, currently, right now, hating your brother. It's an ongoing action. It's a way of life. It's a habit. Again, this is not talking about perfection in this area and aren't you glad because we may have a brother or sister in christ maybe somebody in the church maybe somebody that's uh, just in another church whatever it is but we, we we're brothers and sisters with them and they offend us they hurt us they <coughs> excuse me they wrong us in some way and and we may get so angry with them that for a time our anger goes from anger to hatred for a time that is not, he's not saying if you don't control your passions 100% of the time, then you're not a Christian. That's not what he's saying. What he's talking about is an ongoing action. It's a continual hatred. The Bible says that the person who does this, and that's their way of life, they're not saved. They're not in the light. I want you also to notice in verse 9, it says that they are in the darkness until now. In other words, they've never been in the light. It's not that they were saved, they were once in the light, and now they're out. They are in the darkness until now. But here's the flip side of this. He says, if you love your brother, verse 10, if you love your brother, if you love other Christians, it is, going, it is evidence that you are in the light. Now notice, you don't love people in order to get in the light. You love people because you are in the light. You share the same Heavenly Father with them. You are the family of God. It, it notice the wording that he uses in verse 10. It says, the one who loves his brother abides in the light. You abide there, you dwell there. You've made that your home. You've, 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 you've taken your stand in the light. You've set up shop in the light. Now, what does it mean to love one another? It means that we put somebody else first. It means that we, we, we put them before ourselves. It's a self-sacrificing type of love. We, we look out for their best interests, and we do what's best for them. At the very least, it's going to look like spending time with one another and not hating every second of it. Now, I'm going to... Recently, I had a friend that, that posted a, a quote on Facebook from, uh, from a, a person by the name of Stephen Anglis. Uh, I may have, been, may have butchered his name, but here, here's what the quote said. It said, it may be possible to attend church and not be a healthy Christian, but it is impossible to be a healthy Christian and not attend church. 
And I knew whenever I read it, I, I was like, friend, I've seen enough people that made a comment like that to know that you're going to get some pushback. And when I, as of this morning, because I went back and, and looked at the comments that he had, of almost 20 comments that were made, there were two people who made some sort of affirmative agreement with that. Almost everybody else, one, one person said, I don't have any idea what she meant. But everybody else was quite opposed to that idea. And it seems, it seems self-evident to me. If you love somebody, you're going to want to be around them. If you have a significant other, if you're married, let's say, hopefully you want to be around your husband or wife. If you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, hopefully you want to be around them. Otherwise, why are you with them? When you love somebody, the very least you want to do is spend time with them, to see them. And, and this idea that, that you can be a healthy, obedient Christian while simultaneously disobeying the commands of Scripture, I don't understand it. And, I, you know, the, the Bible says that somebody that, that gets involved in a controversy that's not theirs, like grabbing the hold of a dog by the ears. I did get involved in this conversation, and I, I got pushed back because I agreed with the statement that was made. Now listen. At the very least, if you are a Christian, you, need to, you, you should want to spend time in God's house with other Christians. I mean, that's the very least of what John is saying. If you love your brothers, you will want to spend time with them. If you love God, you will love his church, and not just from a distance. And, and when you're with somebody, and, you're love, and you love them, when you gather together with, with the, the brethren, with other Christians, listen... Don't be hateful and don't be difficult. And you guys aren't like this. But you know what? Sometimes it's good just to be reminded. Because sometimes we, we, our, our old nature wants to come out, doesn't it? But listen, some people, and you know this same as I do, some people are like porcupines. They got a lot of good points, but boy, they're hard to be near. And it's like that in, it's like that in churches sometimes. Sometimes it, we, there, there are lots of people that, that have maybe, maybe good points and they say all the right things, but boy, it's hard, to, it's hard to be next to them. Listen, we need not be that way. We need to encourage one another. We need to pray for one another. We need to lift one another up. We need to bear one another's burdens. We need to minister to one another and use our spiritual gifts in whatever way, whatever way God has gifted us. Use that to minister to one another. The Bible says, consider how you might stimulate one another to, to love and good works. Listen, you got enough discouragement and people opposing you on the outside of the church, you don't need it on the inside too. You need to love one another. We need to love one another. He says, the one who does this, and again, this is, this is a habit, the one who is loving his brother, is the person who is in the light. They are truly saved. And the last thing I want you to see in our uh, last little bit of this text is that our heart condition determines our love. Our heart condition determines our love. Now, if you look back at verse 11, John goes back to the person who makes a claim to be a Christian, but their life doesn't back it up in this area. They claim to be a Christian, and yet they hate their brother. He says the one who hates his brother 
And then he gives four truths about him. He's in the darkness. He walks in the darkness. Doesn't know where he's going and is blinded by the darkness. That guy is in the dark. And notice, these things are not true because he hates the brethren. He hates the brethren because these things are true. Being a, a thief doesn't make you a sinner. You're a sinner. I mean, yeah, being, a, being a thief doesn't make you a sinner. You, you thieve because you're a sinner. It, it comes from the heart. It comes from the inside out. Jesus said from, from the heart flow the, the adulteries and the lusts and the, the, the murders and all the other stuff. And, and when we love somebody or we hate that, hate that person, that comes from the inside. That comes from the heart. He says that he hates these, that he hates the brethren. And, and that means this person, if there's that hostility between us and Christians, if that's the case, John says it's because they're not saved. They, they, they dwell in the darkness. That's where they live. They walk in the darkness. Their actions are governed by the darkness. They don't know where they're going, and they're blind to all of it because they're in the dark. Now, I know Christians are sometimes hard to love. I've been in church since I was in the womb. Been in church all my life. I know there are some difficult people. But you know what? I know there are some difficult people that, 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 are, that are hard to love, and they're not saved too. You're going to have people that are harder to love, but boy, there are some people that are super easy to love. You can't help but love them. They're Christians. Yes, if you are a believer, you're, you will love everybody, whether or not they're believers. But there should be a special affection between you and the body of Christ, between you and other believers. Because that, that person, I mean, there, there are some of us here who are much closer to the people in this room, though we're not related by blood. You're closer to people in this room and others who are believers than you are your own blood family. Listen, we can share the same Heavenly Father, the, the, the same faith, the same baptism, the same Lord, the same heaven, all those things. And that can make us closer than our own flesh and blood. And that's okay. The question that the text poses to each of us today is, do you love believers? Do you love Christians? Are they your family? Do you look forward to being around them? On Sunday morning, I mean, the, the psalmist says, I was glad to me when they said what? Let us go to the house of the Lord. Does that ever describe you? Do you say, oh, do you say, oh, amen? Or do you say, oh my, it's Sunday. And don't, don't get me wrong. I know that every other day of the week, that bed may be lumpy and hard and uncomfortable until Sunday morning. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's like sleeping on a, a, a cloud, isn't it? It's like, boy, I don't want to get up. I get it. But listen, you, you, there, there should be an affection between you and, and believers. Not just in this church, but, but all believers. Do you ever have that? Do you, when, are you regular in gathering with them? When you're not with believers, do you miss it? I know you remember a couple years ago back when, when 2020 hit and all the stuff that went along with that. We didn't have in-person services for a few weeks, and I missed being with y'all. I don't know if you remember that, but I, I missed it. Hopefully you did too. But, but, but are, are Christians your family? Do you love them, or do you, do you despise them?
Do you detest them? Do you hate them? Do you have animosity towards them? Now, if you do love them, this should be an encouragement because this is an evidence that you are, in fact, saved. But if you don't, this should be a warning sign to you that, that you need to get something figured out with God. Because it may well be that the reason you don't have that affection, that love towards your brothers, you people you call your brothers, it may be because you're not truly saved. And the Bible says that, that the way to resolve that, to get right with God, is by believing the gospel, by trusting in Christ for salvation, by turning from our sin, by repenting of it, and putting our faith in Christ. If you've never done that, I encourage you to do that today. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. With nobody looking around, I, I want to encourage you to consider what Scripture says. The Bible says that if you claim to be a Christian, but your life doesn't back it up, there's a problem. And one of the, one of the main ways that that evidences itself is by your love not for the lovable, but your love for believers. John goes on to say, I believe it's in chapter 4, that, that if you say that, you, that, that you're a, a follower of Christ, if you say you're a believer, and you don't love people that you can't see, you don't love God that you can't see. Again, this is not talking about perfection. We all have people that we don't get along with as well as others. We all have people that we get miffed at, people that we mesh together better with. But when you go to a church on vacation, for instance, do you feel an affinity, a love for those people? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your word, which again gives us a test by which we can have either assurance of our salvation or uh, possibly it may, maybe this is an alert that we are not truly saved. And God, for that person who is uh, maybe questioning whether or not they're a believer, I pray that you would use this as another step to reveal to them whether or not they are truly saved. And God, we thank you for assurance. We thank you that, that it's not based on what we feel, but on objective truths. And God, I pray that if there's somebody that maybe we need to get right with, maybe somebody that we're holding a grudge against, that you would help us to do that. And the person that maybe is not saved, I pray that you would draw them to yourself. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What song?